This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Six Nation Arrows sweep away the Coquitlam Adnax to capture the Minto Cup. The Bellies finished off the Shamrocks in five to advance down the road to the man. And I quote, Yesterday, we found out that Major League Lacrosse is exactly as incompetent as we all thought. And we say goodbye to our good friend, the Minigame. All that and more on OTCB. What's good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. Some other things we'll talk about. Uh, Robert Church named Western Lacrosse Association MVP. The NLL Junior Tournament was fantastic over the past weekend. The President's Cup is going on as we speak, and there was an absolutely outrageous lacrosse score today. Plus, we'll talk about some other things. There's some National Lacrosse League news coming out uh, this week and in the coming days and weeks uh, as we move towards the draft. So we'll touch on as many things as we can. Plus, I'm going to hop on my soapbox for a brief minute to get something off my chest that's been on my chest many times, and I'm sure I've said it many times on here before, but today I want to do it again. First and foremost, my name is Teddy Jenner. If you want to get hold of me at the show, you can. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. I don't know where to start. Let's start with the good. Um, joining me this week, we're going to have three great guests. We'll talk with Patrick Merrill, head coach of Minto Cup champion Six Nations Arrows. We'll talk to Kyle Devitt of Inside the Cross on the incredible leaked information that is rocking Major Lacrosse League right now and probably the hottest goaltender in lacrosse right now, maybe next to Doug Jameson. That's Alex Bouquet of the New Westminster Salmon Bellies, who was named the MVP of the WLA Finals as he and the Salmon Bellies will look to hoist their 25th Man Cup Lacrosse Championship as they knock off the Victoria Shamrocks in five. So, Booker joins us, uh, KD, and my good buddy, Patty Merrill. So, let's start with the Minto Cup. In talking with people who were there and who are closer to seeing the Ontario teams as we don't get to see them out west, the Six Nations team that was in that final was one of the best junior A clubs put together top to bottom, from the coaching staff and the executive on down. It was a talented team, a mix of size, speed, youth, veterans, uh, a goaltender that was just playing out of his mind, and two of the yet the best young offensive stars in our game in Austin Stotts and Tohoke Nanticoke. I truly didn't think they were going to do away with the Adnax in three games. They were challenged in every game in the round robin. Just like Coquitlam was. And I think that what's really led to a fantastic Minto Cup, even though the finals only went three games and it wasn't as um, memorable maybe as last year's best of five final between Coquitlam and Orangeville where Del Bianco almost won it at the end of regulation with an end-to-end end shot. But 
being able to see just the pure dominance that this Six Nations team had, and that's no disrespect to Okotoks or Mimico or Coquitlam. It was just a clinic sometimes watching them on the floor, both offensively and defensively, because that defense, as Jake Elliott pointed out, was just phenomenal and tough to get through and allowed Doug Jamison to see more shots from the outside than on the inside. Very much like what happened in the WLA final with the excellence of the new Westminster defense keeping Victoria further and further to the outside so Alex Bouquet could see more shots from deep than inside. And both goaltenders were there when those shots finally came from the inside. Hence, why Dougie Jameson and Alex Bouquet are really the talk of the lacrosse world right now and just what they have been doing in between the pipes, especially during some of these wickedly hot summer nights. So Six Nations puts away Coquitlam in three straight games. Didn't see it come. I would have bet a ton of money Coquitlam at least wins one of those games. But Dougie Jameson and that defense just shut down everything Coquitlam had, and the Adnacks just couldn't find an answer for the Arrows both on the special teams and five-on-five. And it was Six Nations' year. They go out on top with their third Minto in four years. They went back-to-back in 14 and 15. All three Mintos have come against Coquitlam. Patty Merrow, he took over in 2015. And as mentioned, he was a teammate of mine. At Mercyhurst, we go quite a ways back and always love catching up with my good friend Pat Merrill. And when I spoke with him, he was already had switched gears, as it were, focusing on the Hill Academy. So I caught up with him uh, for a conversation this afternoon and just, you know, asked him what the feeling was like and how the last few days have been since he's become a two-time Minto Cup champion. Uh, the last few days have been uh, nice. I'm just, uh, it's a busy week for me and my other job uh, at the Hill, getting ready for school to start, right. but uh, but it's been, it was a really enjoyable weekend. Uh, yeah, got to finally relax a little bit and enjoy the win, so hasn't totally sunk in yet, but it was pretty sweet. Did you, did you think, I know you guys had a really good team and, and, and the compete level at the Minto Cup this year was fantastic. Did you think it was going to be as easy uh, as six straight wins for you guys? No, uh, no, we didn't. And you know, it, we, it honestly didn't feel easy. Um, yeah. You know, we uh, we were kind of the, the type of team that that really kind of traditionally kind of sl- started slow in most mm-hmm. games, and then uh, our plan was to kind of grind teams down um, and then try to win at the end, right? With uh, you know, and with some timely goals and relying a lot on our defense and our goalie. And uh, and that's kind of the way every game went in the Minto. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was stressful. It was a grind, but it was definitely uh, – it definitely worked out that we were able to do it as quickly as possible. A lot of the talk of the Minto Cup lately has been the gap between BC and Ontario and, and then Alberta. Obviously, last year the Mounties showed that they could compete, and this year – uh, the Raiders showed that they can beat, and they were in all their games. How would you rate 
um, the Okotoks Raiders Club this year and how close that gap is? Well, yeah, it was it was our closest game of the tournament, and we knew going in, uh, we were actually a little bit, uh, you know, we were concerned because obviously we didn't see a whole lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we knew how well coached they're going to be. Uh, we knew obviously Alberta Lacrosse has been on the rise, especially in recent years, and uh, you know we knew we would have our hands full, and and you know we had to come back and 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 win that game in the third period, that first game of the tournament, and. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know what? We were really impressed by them. They were, they were really hardworking there. Like I said, they're really well coached. They played a really disciplined system at both ends of the floor. They got good goaltending. Uh, so yeah, I didn't get much sleep after that first game. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so. You spoke, you spoken of, uh, of goalies, um, Dougie Jameson, yeah. uh, he had a sub four, four goals against average. He was just, uh, an absolute wall all game long. What can you speak of uh, of his play and what he meant to your guys' success? Yeah, I think uh, I think Patty Coyle me- mentioned it during the uh, press conference that it was going to be a, a tournament that highlighted uh, you know great goaltending with Del Bianco mm-hmm. and Orleman and, and Calgary and Hutchcraft and, and Shanahan and Mimico and then obviously Dougie and that that definitely was the case in the whole throughout the whole tournament, but. But for me, you know, I, I just felt like Dougie really, no disrespect to the other guys, but he really mm-hmm. separated himself as I, I, I'm obviously biased, but I thought he was the best goalie in Canada all year. I mean, yeah. you know, he's, uh, we, we, we felt like last year um, we burnt him out a bit because um, he had to play in the Worlds uh, yeah. uh, for the U19 Iroquois team. And, you know, and we just kind of ran into a, a really good Orange Hill team in the final. And this year we wanted to, really manages his work, manages his workload. Um, but man, he's the type of guy, he, he just, he's so committed. He's such a good teammate. And I think, well, you know, whether it was his experience, you know, playing a bit for the Chiefs last year, as well as, uh, you know, his experience playing in New England, but he just was, uh, he was just at a, at a whole nother level this year. Yeah. And uh, we wouldn't have won without him. How important is is that experience for for junior guys now to for him to be able to say that that he's seen the NLL and some MSL best? You know, I, I think it's I think it's great. You know, I, I think it's also great when kids choose to go to school as well. You know, yeah. I think it's you know they they learn different things about themselves as players and they learn from different voices and uh, they learn from different types of teammates as well and. I think it, I think it's great. Um, you know, it certainly was for him. I mean, you know, he's always been a really mature guy and committed mm-hmm. guy, but I, it just seemed like he came back with a, just a, a, like I said, just a different level of maturity and professionalism and all those things. And he had that to, to who he already was. And, right. you know, for, for us, for us, it was, uh, you know, it was a coach's dream to have a guy like that back there. Cause you never really have to worry about him, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, we can just focus on what we did and and he just showed up and did his job every day and and the guys definitely set off of that you talk about guys experiencing school uh, Austin Stats has said that he's going to stay at Onondaga uh, not entering the draft this year but uh, that'll give him some more experience uh, at an educational level but uh, he's just a, a superstar on the rise isn't he he absolutely is um, you know he's got a He's got a, obviously a special uh, skill set that people have taken notice of. 
Um, but again, he's he's a pretty special player as well. And if you look at the guys in that generation from Six Nations, they haven't lost a whole lot, right? No, um, no. At really every level that they've played. And uh, he Austin's got a, uh, you know, again, he's grown up a whole lot. His older brother Randy's been a great influence on him. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that Man Cup run that he went on with the Chiefs last year really grounded him quite a bit to play with other great players that he really looks up to. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's just uh, he, one thing about him that I, that I that I tell everybody that really impresses me is that it's just his level of compete. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his will to win and his desire to win is uh, is off the charts. You know, and it doesn't matter. I mean, if it's a, a drill at practice or um, you know, anything that he does, he, he just he just got that fire burning within him, and I think that shows in the way that he plays and in the success that he's had. So you combine that with his talent, and uh, you know he had a pretty scary season. It, it wasn't, you know, you know, in terms of points, might not have been one of you know his. He wouldn't stand out, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, in three years that I coached him, um, it was the best season that he's had by far. Unreal. How important is it for him, do you think, for him to stay in school for his maturation process and, and just for his future? Yeah, well, I mean, again, different guys. I, th- I think, um, you know, I, I think he could, you know, I don't think there are many guys that could play in the league at his age um, yeah. in the NLL, um, but I think he's definitely a guy that possibly could with his skill set. But I do yeah. think, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that he's, that he's taking his time. Right and, and and really, I I I you know I don't think he has anything to lose by going to school. And in fact, I, again, I think it's being a student athlete, as you know, it's, it's it's it again you learn different things about yourself, right, Absolutely. and uh, that you can apply to the rest of your life in a lot of different ways. And I think that for him, I think it's going to really pay off for him. And uh, you know, again, I, I think Randy, uh, his brother Randy, was. You know, again, really was a superstar at a young age, just like Austin was. And, and that four years that he spent at school, at OCC, and then at Syracuse, I think really, really made the difference. And I could see it in his game, in the yeah. maturity of his game at the next level. And I think it will do the same thing for Austin, and I hope he sticks with it. Uh, but it's tough for him, right, because, you know, he's a kid that, that really embraces a challenge, right? And mm-hmm. he feeds off that challenge. And he's always at his best when he's put in that type of situation. So... Um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be, uh, you know, something that he's got to stay patient with. Right. Um, but, yeah. uh, uh, I'm really happy that he chose to stay and go to school. Uh, this is your second Minto as a coach. Is one more special than the other? No, they were really different. Um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, uh, it sounds cliche, but, uh, you know, it's, you're always chasing that winning feeling and, and really, mm-hmm. Uh, this season, you know, we, I was talking about it with Billy Greer after, uh, and, you know, it's, you know, each summer almost, it's almost like you, you go through three different seasons in one. You know, you got the regular season, then you got the Ontario final, and then you got the Minto, and they all kind of take on a life of their own. And uh, and to compare this group to 2015 is, is, isn't fair because it's yeah. two completely different groups. We have a lot of the same guys, but they can play – they played completely different roles the last time around. I mean, we had guys, you know, that we had to hold off of our Minto Cup roster in 2015 that were like massive pieces to us, like Tohoka yeah. and yeah. Coke wasn't on our Minto Cup roster, right? And and Jerry Stats and Jamie Dilks and guys like that that, 
you know, you know, we're we're just huge leaders on our team this time around. It didn't get Travis Longboat. It didn't even get the experience in 2015. Yeah. So um, there were two group, uh, spe- uh, special groups. I'll, I'll remember them both uh, for different reasons in their own way. You know, forever for for what they did for for those uh, you know during those runs. A quick trick uh, turnaround for a lot of your players that haven't go back to school. You as well have to head back to the Hill Academy. Uh, what's on deck for your group uh, as probably one of the perennial top teams uh, on the continent? Uh, for who? For for the, for the hill? Yeah, yeah, for the yeah. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, we're we're really excited. It's it's uh, um, you know, we're we're just gearing up for another year. We're growing again. We'll have about ninety uh, ninety boys in the in the lacrosse program. Three different men's teams, and a, and then another and a women's team as well that we're really excited about. So. Yeah, for us, it's you know time of year we just can't wait for the school, <laughs> the first day of school. You know, yeah. the hay, the haze the barn. We've got <laughs> schedule ahead. We've got all the kids registered, ready to go. Now we just can't wait to get out there on the field and get them in classes and all that type of stuff. So we're real excited. You know, we have a great staff too. That's that's one thing that really excites me about it is that we have a lot of young guys involved in the program that uh, you know new coaches and stuff that we're really excited about. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Riley O'Connor and Luke Magnon and Cameron Mann and uh, Reed Acton and all these guys, they just bring a new energy to the school that, you know, the Wiley vets like Brody and myself could get. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep us young, right? And keep yeah. us uh, enthusiastic and all those things. But, but yeah, every new year is a, is a new mountain to climb for us, and we, uh, uh, we love it. Uh, the last time we talked, uh, it, we were speaking of your retirement, and you briefly came out of retirement. Are you for real done now, or or is there a chance that you might come back and play for the Rock in 2018? Um, you know, there's still a chance, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 haven't, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. And yeah. uh, they've been really good with me in terms of not, uh, you know, not putting a whole lot of pressure on me to make a decision one way or the other. Uh, I'm yeah. really grateful for the run that I've had, and. Uh, you know, um, you know. I, honestly, with coaching, that's what I wanted to focus on yeah. uh, for the summer and not have to worry about any of that. And uh, but, you know, I, I plan to make a decision pretty soon, Teddy, and, yeah. and uh, I'm sure you'll be the first to know. So oh, after oh. after after I, after, I, after, I, after I let them know and my family know, because <laughs> they're asking me every two seconds as well. And yeah, of course, they're they're on two sides of the spectrum there too. You know. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I expect to make a decision pretty soon. A 15-season vet of the National Lacrosse League, Patrick Merrill, head coach of the Six Nations Arrows. He's now a two-time Minto Cup winning coach. So congratulations to Patty uh, and his whole crew, including uh, Billy Greer, Dean Hill, uh, and the like that really helped that team kind of get over the edge. Uh, knock off Coquitlam for the third time in four years, as I mentioned. But they went 6-0, and only gave up 26 goals on the entire tournament. Dougie Jameson had a 4.33 goals against average. That was phenomenal. And then Austin Stotts led the tournament in scoring. Uh, he had 24 points, 11 goals, sorry, 11 assists on 13 goals. Uh, he did the trifecta, goals, assistant points, leaders, um, 79 shots. 
25 more than the second closest, and that was his teammate Tohoka Nanakok, who finished uh, third in tournament, actually tied for second in tournament scoring with Denon Armstrong of the Adnacks. So with the Minto Cup done, it brings us to a quick fast forward to the 2018 Minto Cup, which will be in Alberta. I don't know if they've picked where yet. I may be wrong. Not off the top of my head. Can't find it. And it will be interesting to see how Alberta does. Talked about this, I think, maybe last week or two weeks ago. um, And had a couple people weigh in, uh, especially um, the fact that and I, well, I had said that it will be a great opportunity for Alberta next year with the growth of their programs, uh, with what the Mountaineers and the Raiders have done in the past two years, that 2018 might be the year that we see an Alberta team maybe push for the finals. Their chances have they've gone, what, from a 25% chance to a 50% chance. And so it might be time that we see something we haven't seen before in a four-team format, an Alberta team make it to the finals. And there were people who kind of agree with me. They think that might be a possibility. There are other people who say that there are a lot of graduating players on those Raiders and Mountaineers clubs and that the talent pool in Alberta might take a dip. It's possible. But I also said that there's the lure of a chance at a Minto. And if there are some guys that are in BC or Ontario that may be on a bubble team and want an opportunity at a Minto Cup, that maybe they go to Okotoks or Calgary and maybe hop on with them for an opportunity to get into the Minto Cup. Heck, maybe the SWAT try and recruit some guys. So, I'm looking forward to next year's Minto Cup. It's going to be interesting. Just because of the whole dynamic of what's going on in Alberta lacrosse and and the fact that, you know, guys like Andrew McBride and Joe Vitri, or Viteri, I always say his name wrong. Sorry, my apologies, Joe. Um, the work that those guys are doing and, and what Dane Doby did with Team Alberta Midget Team, uh, there's going to be some players coming up in the next few years. And I, I would love to see Alberta do a little more Shocking of the world. And it can come as soon as next year. So Minto Cup in the books. Founders is in the books. That's two national championships that have been put aside. And it leaves us two championships left to be decided. The Founders and the man. The Founders is currently underway um, at the ILA. Actually, there are two games being today... The late games uh, are being played at Gaylord Palace, Palace because of game four of the MSL final, which is about get to go in about a half an hour. But here are your standings as they sit after, what is this, uh, day two? Yeah, day two. Uh, St. Albert, 3-0, and St. Regis, 3-0, and and Six Nations Rivermen, 3-0. and Ladner two and one, Ganawagi two and two, the Native Sons one and one, and then Six Nations slash and Nova Scotia Privateers are zero and three, and the Saskatoon Brewers are zero and four. Um, you can go to uh, just Google Presidents Cup Lacrosse, and you'll find the point streak site 
Uh, it's, again, too long of a thing for me to say. I don't want to say underscores and slashes and dots and question marks and equal signs and all that stuff. So uh, President's Cup Lacrosse on Google. You can find all the information you need right there. However, before we get to the road to the Man Cup, the score today in the St. Regis-Saskatoon game was one I don't think I've really ever seen in a lacrosse game. I probably have somewhere down the line. 32 to 4. That's right. 32 to 4. St. Regis scored 10 in the first, 14 in the second, 8 in the third. Only seven penalties all game. The shots. Eh, where are the shots here? Oh, shots, 77-36. St. Regis nearly scored on half of their shots. 32 goals on 77 shots. Let's just give you some of the point tallies. Um, Blaine Kenny, leading scorer the whole game, 10 points. Adam Bomberry, 3 points. Breck Bucktooth, hi He dropped 9 points on that game. Ty Thompson had eight. Shane Francis, seven. Jacob Rouet, seven. The Rooster coming through with a nice little seven spot. And why I want to talk about this is the fact that, yes, it is a national championship. And, yes, I'm all about growing the game. But we get to the point of the haves and the have-nots, teams that can afford to shell out X amount of dollars to bring players in for the summer, whether they they play uh, the minimum of four or six or whatever happens to be, or they play the whole season. You have teams that can bring in NLL players, one, two, six, seven, whatever it may be, and other teams that can't. And I truly don't think that there is a need to have seven or eight teams at the President's Cup. I think something needs to happen because, yes, it's great for these teams that have never played, you know, some of the caliber of players that they're playing against. It's great. It's awesome. I love it. But there are times when it doesn't actually do much good to see a team lose 32 to 4. doesn't benefit anybody. And if you've seen the crowds that are there at these games, there's nobody showing up. There's no webcast. So if we're not going to show this lacrosse to anybody, why are we bringing eight teams, nine teams, whatever it is? What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, nine teams. What does there need to be nine teams when you know it's only going to be between, say, four of them. I think it needs to change. But you know me. I think a lot needs to change with the Canadian Lacrosse Association. And I mean a lot. The final championship north of the border that will be decided comes from the senior loop. The big boys, the man cup, and we know one of the teams. By the end of tonight, 
we could know both of the teams. The new Westminster Sandbellies have advanced. They dispatched the Victoria Shamrocks in five games in an incredible, incredible game five. And it sucked to see my Victoria Shamrocks lose. It crushed me to see those boys get knocked out. But I truly believe that over the course of the series, um, New West was playing better lacrosse. They were playing the best lacrosse out of any of the four teams that made it into the postseason, uh, and they continued on that stretch. Uh, They were in a hellacious series with Maple Ridge. Going the distance, going to double overtime in Game 7, and then they just kept up momentum rolling, and Victoria just didn't have an answer. And New West won the first game, Victoria won the second game, and then New West would win the final three games. And they have put themselves in the position to go after their 25th man cup, the most out of anybody in all of lacrosse. And it all gets going on September 8th. Waiting to see between Peterborough and Six Nations who will advance. Peterborough is up three games to nothing. Game four of that series gets going in about 24 minutes' time. It's Tuesday. If you're listening to this later, you probably already know who won. Regardless. I want to say I like New West's chances. I think this... What's it going to be? Uh, almost a 10-day break for them, 11-day break for them since they last won their game till the start of the Man Cup. I think that's good. Uh, they'll still be able to get, you know, four or five practices in, uh, heal up some bodies. They were pretty healthy, which is a huge part of their success. Uh, the fact that they didn't uh, have a lot of injuries. They weren't bringing guys in out of the lineup as much as Victoria was, like, the number of bodies that went through that Victoria roster in the playoffs. Uh, Cole Pickup came in and out for a game. Marshall King was in and out for a game. They lost Danny Smith, uh, was it after game two of the final series. Uh, they used Dylan Ray, uh, Raymond for, for a game. And, you know, Cody Nass couldn't find a regular shift. They put Mike Trillo from offense to defense. Like, Bob Hayes was trying everything he could do, including trying to call Alex Bouquet on illegal equipment after New West went up a goal and forced Victoria's hand. New West just was always there with an answer. And they had guys step up. You know, if it wasn't Logan Schuss, it was Kevin Crowley. If it wasn't those two, it was Joel McCready. Drew Belgrave, a rookie call-up, was fantastic in Game 5. Connor Robinson, who missed a game, uh, was fantastic all playoffs. Uh, But then you constantly will always go back to Alex Bouquet. He was phenomenal all series. He was probably the runner-up for goalie of the year. Eric Penny won that. But without Alex Bouquet and the way he played this postseason, I do not believe New West is where they are. Might be a very hot take or not-so-hot take. But without the play of Alex Bouquet in the playoffs, it's a completely different talking point right now. 
His performance in Game 3, where he stopped 52 of 56 shots that he faced, was one of the best goalie performances I've seen. And yes, Victoria was shooting a ton from outside the dots. But they did also find ways to get inside. And every time they got inside, Booker was there. In Game 5, he gave up, he gave up 11 but he faced 49 shots, made 38 saves. He just continued to be fantastic all playoffs. And no slight to the playoffs that Mitch Jones had. Uh, he led all scores with 55 points, 25 goals, 30 assists. It was an easy choice for MVP. It was going to be Alex Bouquet. Hands down, easy choice, Alex Bouquet. And I think he probably had a little chip on his shoulder, a little something to prove. As Brandon Astle said kind of at the end of the broadcast, he wasn't slated to be the starter. He was coming in to battle for it with Ty Belanger. Belanger uh, started the season and a little falter uh, allowed Bouquet to kind of slide in and take that number one role. And once he was given it, he didn't let it go. And with his NLL rights being shipped off to Buffalo, this was a bit of a training camp for him, an audition, saying basically, hey, Steve Dietrich, this is what I can do. Put a good defense in front of me. Let me see the shots. I'll stop 52 of 56 for you. And I think Buffalo fans are going to be real happy with Buddha when they get a look of him this winter in the National Lacrosse League. He was the MVP of the WLA Finals, and we caught up with him. Tuesday night from Vancouver and asked him, what's it like knowing that you're going to be playing for a man cup? Oh, it's fantastic. It's one of, uh, you know, one of those dreams you've been waiting for since you were a kid, you know, growing up in the Whippy organization, you know, you watch the Brooklyn Redmen make it there and do their thing. And you watch like teams like six nations been winning it for a while. So it's, it's definitely one of those things you really want to put, uh, put on the, on the wall and make it out there, you know. I'm, you know what I mean. I do. It's uh, it, it's an incredible experience. I remember uh, my first trip to Man Cup. It was one that I'll never forget. But let's focus on the WA Finals right now and and the playoffs. Simple question: Is this the best lacrosse you've ever played? Ah, uh, I don't know. There's there's always more to come. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, you know, I I don't see it as myself you know, working towards it. It was uh, this whole Bellies organization from top to bottom, you know, and uh, them being able to support me all the way through, especially my my uh, my defense, you know, being able to back me up when I needed them and offense being being as crucial as they needed to be in order, you know, score the, the, the key goals is, is huge. I'm just part of a little segment, that's all. How good is your defense when you watch them? How good are those guys playing? Because they were able to shut down a very potent Victoria offense and keep them to the outside. Oh, oh man, they were they were they were solid all around the clock. You know, very very few breakdowns made it easier for me to see the ball all the way through, and mm-hmm. uh, just them being tough and and big. You know, it, it forced them out and forced them to to play a different style of game from what they, they wanted to do. 
55, 56 shots, 52 saves in game three. Uh, how big was that lacrosse ball? It was a beach ball size. You were seeing everything pretty clearly. Ah, uh, I don't know. I I was uh, I'm lucky. I got lucky <laughs> with a few saves there. I mean, uh, I was lucky to see the ball, and uh, you know, it came in tight. Obviously, uh, Victoria's got their uh, their solid shooters, you know, and uh, I was just lucky to be there in time to make the saves. September 8th is about, you know, 10 days away. Uh, what's yes. the plan for you guys right now? Uh, what's the message from Coach Goodwin that you guys got some practices on the schedule, obviously? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're getting a couple days here getting yeah. beat up uh, by Maple Ridge and, and Victoria. So we're right now we're just in the healing process. But we definitely have a few practices here, and we're, we're just trying to stay focused and continue to play hard uh, throughout this uh, break period. But uh, we're going to try to continue what we had thus far, uh, make winning the finals and uh, just uh, continue on. And whoever comes out of the, the East tonight, you know, we want to be prepared and ready to go for that. I know everybody was wondering, but uh, was it a quick trip to the Roxy after game five? Uh, that I can't tell you. That's, that's, that's between the sheets. That's between the sheets. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Booty, you're always one of the, one of the great characters. I got a, a ton of time to, to get to know you over this winter. Um, how many hats do you own? How many hats do I own? Yeah. Oh Lord. Uh, I got a, I got a good set of, uh, hats here. Uh, Right now, I'm starting the BC hat collection. Yeah. Um, I got about 15, still yeah. growing. Um, I'm trying to start that as well as the shoe collection, but uh, nice and slowly, nothing too big. You're, you're a shoe guy. You used to tell me that every weekend you would almost you'd want to try and find a new pair of shoes. What's the, uh, what's the number one on your list right now to find? I mean, I keep it old school and classic. It's definitely... Uh, Air Force Ones, the originals, uh, yeah. the one that uh, Michael Jordan got in trouble for when he came in, uh, when he was wearing yeah. the, the original Air Forces. So that's uh, that's my go-to, but uh, I haven't taken those out of the box yet. <laughs> uh, let, let's switch back to, to inside the box. So that series against Maple Ridge, the double overtime in a game seven. Um, what a crazy game that was, but how good was that series? Oh, it was it was solid. I mean, it could have gone either way. I mean, the way they play, their toughness, it's uh it's mentally and physically exhausting, right? They're mm-hmm. always trying to get you off your game and uh on our end we just had to make sure we were we were able to play consistently, come up to mm-hmm. come up to show up for every battle and, and not fall for any of the extra stuff. You know, yeah. um, that that was huge, and I mean, on on a whole as a whole, I mean, it could have it could have gone either way. I mean, we went down three real quick, and it was uh, it was unfortunate we had to go that way, but yeah, uh, we 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 battened down the hatches, and uh, it was really good for us to you know come together in a crucial time and really shine and see what we could do as a unit instead of individually, right? So yeah, you, 
you've gotten to see how loud Queens Parking uh, can get over this run in the playoffs. How packed and wild do you think it's going to be uh, once the Man Cup starts? Oh, I'd like to see every seat mm. taken and people standing yeah. for for uh, for the game. But uh, you know, it's like any other game. You just got to show up, be ready to play. But you know, I'm I'm excited and happy for anyone who comes out and any support we can get. Do you? People were talking, myself included, uh, that yourself and Aaron Bold may have been playing with a bit of a chip on your shoulder after both of you were traded. Uh, in the inner off season, do you feel that way, or are you just kind of going about your business uh, as you would every other day? You know what? I'm I I really had no concern regarding that. I mean, yeah. um, I'm just ready and eager to play wherever I get the chance. You know, yeah. and uh, this was uh, this was a longing opportunity, and you know, I just kind of took it and ran with it. I mean, there's there's no animosity or anything like that. I mm-hmm. you know, I love the guys at at the uh, Mammoth organization. They're solid 100%, but you know, um things happen. Uh no regrets, no no animosity. I'm just trying to do my own thing and I just keep my head 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 on straight and you know, do my own thing. Pull the visor down and keep the walk forward, my friend. Uh, Booter, it's uh, it was a pleasure to watch you all summer long. You, you you playing some of the best lacrosse I've seen. Uh, now you get a chance to uh, add a man cup to that Minto Cup. What would that mean? Oh, it, it mean everything in the world to me. I mean, this like I said, from all the past history that I've watched, like John Grant Jr. win and uh, you know Tavares play, and all the Redmond guys from Sean Williams and you know Gene Nash, those. Those guys who were able to win one, it it just mean everything to me to to put one on the mantle as well to say I you know I did that. So it's uh, we're gonna do our best uh, to to win, and uh, I just hope uh, everyone's won and uh, ready to go for for this coming Man Cup. There he is. It's Alex Bouquet of the New Westminster Sandbellies and of the Buffalo Bandits. Excited for Buddha to get a shot in Buffalo, and I know he's gonna love. Playing in Banditland there, like I said, they are going to absolutely love him in Buffalo this winter. Uh, he'll be batting for the number one job with David DiRuscio. But Buddha has other things on his mind, and that is a man cup. His first ever dalliance with the big golden chalice, and he will get a chance with his salmon bellies starting September 8th. All games will be at 7.30 at Queens Park Arena. Uh, webcast details to come. Uh, it'll go 8, 9, 11, 12, 13, 15, 16. So it'll go 2, 3, 2 with days off in the middle. And again, waiting to find out if it will be Peterborough or Six Nations. If Peterborough comes out, as Tyson Geik friendly reminded me earlier in the day, it'll be a rematch of the 2010 Man Cup where the Bellies went to Peterborough. So maybe a bit of redemption on their mind. And there's some redemption on a lot of those New West players' mind especially the few that were part of that team in 2010. Hawksby, Hodgson, Crowley, Shea Bennett. Those guys would love to finish things off and get themselves a man cup ring. And I think, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not a a words in people's mouth kind of guy or a cart in front of the horse kind of guy. 
But guys like Shane Bennett and Hawksby and Haji, they're getting up there in age. Still younger than me. But this could very well be their last kick at the can. And what a great opportunity. Then I had a chance at a man cup. So, as much as it pains me to say this, good luck to the bellies. Uh, I would love to see them win it. It is a great accomplishment for any team. Um, I always kind of pull for the West. Uh, I've lost sort of my hatred for all teams, WLA, that weren't Victoria Shamrocks. So I'm okay with saying, go New West, go. It still hurts a little, but I can say it. I'll back the bellies. I'll take them against whoever the East wants to bring out here. Let's do this. Let's do this, bellies. Okay, that might be a little much. I won't get too excited. Uh, but also stoked for for guys like Alex Bouquet, for Logie Shuss, um, for Zach Haywires, who was in and out of the lineup. And then young guys like Connor Robinson, um, Drew Belgrave, guys that, are, you know, are playing in the WA for the first time, Belgrave. Connor Robinson has kind of been up and down uh, with the senior bellies for the past couple of years. But this is a great opportunity for a lot of those guys who have never been here. And you have to know that Queens Park is going to be bumping. The last time the Man Cup was there was probably and arguably the best seven-game Man Cup series we've seen. Where Brampton and New West went back and forth. And then we all know what happened in Game 7. So let's try and erase those memories as the Bellies go for championship number 25. I mentioned earlier, uh, before we talked to Alex Bouquet, uh, that he was the runner-up for goalie of the year. He was a second-team all-star, and we talked about that last Tuesday. And I kind of preluded to what I thought some of the awards were going to be, and I was I was wrong on a few of them. Uh, your goalie of the year from the Burnaby Lakers, Eric Penny, went 8-2. and two. 7.02 goals against average and a .856 save percentage tops in both categories. Uh, third in most wins and was a big reason why Burnaby uh, was pressing and earned that number one seed during the regular season. Fortunately, the Lakers stumbled in the first round, but you know that they will be back next year. Uh, defensive player of the year, Brett Mitski. Tough to argue with that one. Uh, Brett has become one of the best defenders in all of lacrosse. I think he gets overlooked since he plays in that Saskatchewan defense with the likes of uh, Rubish and Corbeil and Dilks and with Jeff Cornwall there. I think he kind of gets lost in the mix. Uh, but what a well-earned award. I think this is his second time winning it maybe. For some reason, I think he won, a, won an award maybe the other day. Maybe one unsung hero. Can't quite remember. But I know I've seen Brett Mitski up for an award in the WLA as recently as last year. Um, but he just continues to be one of the top young defenders in all of lacrosse. And it's not going to be long until he wins an NLL Defensive Player of the Year award. The MVP, uh, there was a lot, <laughs> a lot of discussion about this after it was announced. The award went to Robert Church uh, of the Burnaby Lakers. And I'm okay with this decision. Now... Yes, it would have been great to reward Corey Small with what he did. 38 goals, 50 assists, 88 points. Most goals, most assists, and most points out of anybody. 22 more points 
than the second-place guy, which was Eli McLaughlin, and 23 more than Robert Church. But if you go inside the numbers, Church actually had more points per game than Corey Small did, but Church only played 13 games. Church was also only shut out once all year long. He was massive down the stretch for Burnaby, and he had 28 points in their final six games. And it was that stretch that really propelled Burnaby, along with the play of Eric Penny, up the top of the standings. And I know a lot of Victoria people were upset that it wasn't Corey Small, but sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture and not just total points. And I think Robert Church is a very well-deserving MVP. So congratulations to him and to all of the award winners. And so the WLA season is over. And all we have left to do is wait till September for some more fun. A seven-game series between the best of the best, East versus West, it all goes on September 8th. Sticking with things back East, uh, the National Lacrosse Junior Tournament uh, was over the weekend at the Toronto Rock Athletic Center as well as in the Glen Abbey Rec Center, I think that's what it's called. And another fantastic. We talked about this last week uh, of the amount of teams that were going to be there and the number of kids that were going to be there, but more importantly, the number of NLL guys that are a part of this program is just great to see. Loved seeing the photos of the NLL guys on the bench coaching these kids, but in in such a great way because, sure, it gets competitive, especially when you get to the midgets and Bantam level where the kid's a little bit older and, and they really understand the competitive fire. Trust me, the Peewees are just as fiery, but you understand what I mean. There's not a lot of general yelling as there is more technical coaching. And what these coaches are able to instill in these young kids goes beyond years of learning that these kids can get back home. And it is such an awesome experience, and I'm so happy the National Lacrosse League does this. It's such a great, great experience for these kids. And to see the the smiles on these faces uh, when they lift those trophies up. And, again, we're starting to see teams from different areas win this tournament. I think last year Toronto swept. That didn't happen this year. Lo and behold, it was the junior Roughnecks who spoiled the three-peat repeat as the Roughnecks midget team was able to take home gold. The junior Rocks, Peewees, and Bantams took golds in their respective divisions. And wouldn't you know it, Dane Doby was probably a part of that Calgary team. And don't you know it, Dane Doby was a part of that Alberta team that knocked off Ontario in the national championships. That is going to be a very good group of young kids coming up through the ranks in the next six, seven years. Because what, uh, midgets are 15 and 16 or 16 and 17 years old? 15, 16? 15, 16. So give them six, seven years, get them to 21 through college. Boom. That's a good crop of kids coming up. So congratulations to everybody. Um, there are a ton of pictures. Go to the NLL website. Uh, there, there's lots of great photo actions. I love the Rochester jerseys. 
Uh, I literally love the Mammoth jerseys. There's videos of the overtime win of the Bandits over the Stealth. Like, awesome. I One of the things on my list of lacrosse-oriented activities that I want to go to, uh, the draft is one of them, NLL Junior is one of them, Hall of Fame is one of them, NCAA Final Four, all those things. I want to go see all that stuff one day. But the NLL Junior Tournament, kudos to everybody who put that on and and got it going and, and made it go as smoothly as possible. All the volunteers and, and everybody involved in that. So great job. Nice work. Two thumbs up. We're going to get to the MLL story um, in a minute. Uh, but as mentioned, um, there are and there is some National Lacrosse League news coming. I know I've said this before and it's taking one, two, three, four days to kind of come out. But you can expect some news coming really, really soon. Yes, expansion is coming. Expect an announcement. And expect an announcement about the schedule. Even though we haven't seen anything, Brad Chowner reported it on Stealth Class on Friday that the National Cross League will move the start of the season into December. Except they will still continue to go into June. So... It's going to be an extended season, and the main reason for this is to alleviate all those crazy doubleheaders and back-to-backs. So don't expect too many of those once the schedule comes out in a month or two. But what also hasn't been told, and I've heard this from a few different sources, um, quote-unquote, sources. But the National Lacrosse League will go to a 1-1-3 playoff format. So, what does that mean? (sighs) Bye-bye minigame. It was not a pleasure to have known you. That's right. It's over. No more minigame. The divisional semifinals and divisional finals will be just a one-game playoff. And then the Champions Cup final will be a best of three between the divisional winners. That will hopefully shrink the playing schedule down a little bit. Yes, would it be great if it ended before the May 2-4 weekend? Sure. Does having the NLL season collide with NCAA Final Four? Yes. Does the NCAA Final Four weekend take away some of the viewers that would probably be watching the National Lacrosse League if they were playing that weekend? Yes. Are there things the National Lacrosse League can do about that to avoid it? Yes. This is the start. Is it ideal? Yes and no. Is it perfect? No. So expect training camps to kick off in November, which shortens the length of the offseason. And I would expect games to begin, I don't know how, we don't know how early in December as of yet, but you can expect maybe like the second week of December to kick off. The first Friday is the first. They're not going to start that early. Then you have the 8th and then the 15th. So I would expect one of those two weekends. But don't quote me on the exact start date. 
We just know that the season is going to start early to mid-December and that they'll go to a 1-1-3 playoff format and that they'll still go into the early parts of June. That's, that's the plan. That's the plan. But again, that's just some of the information that has been told slash broken telephoned down the line. And you can expect something to come out Wednesday, I believe. I'm almost 99.99999% sure that on Wednesday, we will figure out the 10th National Lacrosse League team. It's not a surprise. Everybody knows where it's going. It's going to be somewhere sunny. It's going to be somewhere west of the Mississippi. It's going to be somewhere south of I-90. And here is where I will climb on top of my soapbox. When the National Hockey League has their Board of Governor meetings, dozens of sports media people flock to whatever city these meetings are being held, and they cover it with a fine-tooth comb. That's how news gets out. That's how people learn information. Last week, before NLL, the NLL Junior Tournament, the National Lacrosse League had a Board of Governor meetings. In it, from what I have been led to believe, they discussed starting date of the schedule, changing up the playoff format, finalizing or voting on an expansion team, and approving the final go-off on the announcement that's scheduled essentially to come on Wednesday. So basically, schedule, playoffs, and expansion. There might have been some other things in there. Again, this is where I'm going with this soapbox thing. So, at the NHL Board of Governor meetings, the media is there covering it. And they're there to talk to the general managers. And the general managers talk back to them. And they have open discussions about what is being discussed on and off the table, etc. People know what's going on. The players know what's going on. The fans know what's going on. It's all out in the open. In the National Lacrosse League, everything is under lock and key. It's like Fort Knox, except Fort Knox has a giant hole in the side of it that's called the lacrosse family. And the lacrosse family tells stories. And as much as the league would like to keep all these things secret and then all of a sudden just drop bombshells, everybody already knows most of the things that are happening. Everybody knows that there's a team going to come down the West Coast. It's known. It has been around the lacrosse circle and back dozens of times. That one I can understand because it's expansion. They have to make sure everything is perfectly right, and there's a lot of dollars at stake in those things. But when you know that the announcement is coming, and this announcement is supposedly coming on Wednesday. Where is the hype? Where's the buildup? 
Where's the, hey, fans, seriously, this is big freaking news. Team number 10's coming. Build the hype. Get people talking. So when we find out this information from having spoken to some GMs and some of the people that are at these meetings, we find out. And then when people want to report that news, they get slapped on the wrist because the NLL wants to be the source that breaks the news. They don't want us reporting on what we know, which is truth and facts. And I don't understand this air of secrecy. I just wish that people would allow the door to be open and allow the media who they basically kind of have a ruling thumb over, allow us to do our job, allow those people to be told information by sources and to be able to put it out there. Trusted people. People who either work for teams, work for the league, work for newspapers, like trusted sources. Let them talk to general managers and players and owners and league representatives, and when they find out information and they can double-check it, make sure it's legit, what happens is things get leaked and news gets out. And then they allow those secrets to become leaked. Everybody knows. And so that by the time the league wants to announce it, it's like, yeah, we knew that three and a half months ago. What took you so long? There are people who know what happened in those meetings, but they're not allowed to say anything. It's a shame because this is the off season. This is when things are happening that we need to be talking about to build up chatter and interest. The message boards are silent. They've been silent for a year and a half, going silent for a long time, but they're just so dead. And... There's no real talk going on because we have to wait until right when it happens for news to break. When it's already been known for a while. Let's get talking here, people. If you know something, what do you know? So tell me, what do you know? I know the National Crossing has changed its playoff format. They're starting in December. There's a new West Coast expansion team coming very, very soon with an announcement coming even sooner, I hope. <laughs> I was told that once that something was going to happen. It took like three days and I got roasted for it. That's okay. I'm fine with that. Because when people tell me that something's going to happen, I believe them. I take them for their word. Maybe I'm gullible. Maybe I'm naive. But when I talk to three, four different sources and find out the same information that all came from the same place, it's pretty verified. That's my soapbox. I'll climb down now. Let's move on to Major League Lacrosse, where it's even crazier than just holding out information and waiting to drop bombs. Because what happened in Major League Lacrosse is just... 
hilarious and horrible at the same time. If you don't know, I will quote the Kyle Devitt article from Inside the Cross. And I quote, In what is being called a data incident by the Major Lacrosse League, personal details of every player in the MLL player pool, even inactive individuals, were briefly exposed via a publicly accessible link to an Excel spreadsheet. That spreadsheet contained the full name, addresses, phone number, email, social security number, citizenship, date of birth, height, weight, position, college graduation year team, and non-MLL occupation of every individual currently registered with the MLL player pool. End quote. Massive. Like, I don't do you understand how huge this is. Because not only, as it said, it's not just guys now. It's guys from like a decade's worth of players. And it's not like it just went to a few people. This went to a ton of people. And there's only one man I would trust to answer all these questions and to give us the sources. The man who wrote that article for Inside the Cross, Kyle Devitt. I caught up with him earlier and simply asked him, what the heck just happened? It's interesting because I didn't come to this by any other means. No one sent this to me. The league, I, I'm in the player pool from a story I was going to do like, I don't know, like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I email and I'm like, this isn't, is this real? And then I remembered, I actually had heard a rumor about this happening on the day it happened, which I believe was last Thursday. Right. And I didn't believe it. I was like, no, no, no one's that incompetent. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, come on. Like, it can't, it, that can't be real. And I get this email, I'm reading through it. I send it to my dad and my lawyer. Right. I'm like, what is this? Like, (laughs) what do I do? And they're like, you can't do much. You can do what it says in the email, but like, you probably won't be targeted because, you know, you're not even a player, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, uh, and that's fine. I think they were kind of erring on, not erring on the side of caution. Uh, From what I understand, uh, basically what happened is, Every player in the MLL player pool, which means they kept data, including all of our social security numbers, all mm-hmm. the way back to at least 2006 is wow. what we're figuring out right now. It might be longer. So even like Rick Beardsley, who's like 44, <laughs> player yeah, player, yeah, and tweeted about it. So the thing is, it, basically, it was it was a a public publicly accessible link to a spreadsheet with all the data yeah. that was sent out to people that may or may not want to register in the player pool, which I believe is the entire MLL mailing list. Wow. Which could be upwards of like, I don't know, 500,000 people, a million people. I don't know. It's, it's in that like range of people. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Wow. We got to hope that one of those people isn't like a Ukrainian hacker or something. <laughs> or working yeah, those, for like. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and basically the, the information that, was released or made available, I should say, yeah. is the, the players or potential players' full name, address, telephone number, email address, social security number, citizenship, date of birth, height, weight, position, mm. college, graduation, yeah. year, team, and occupation. Now, you know, 
again, I'm still freaking out on a personal level because my stuff's in there. And I'm like, oh, well, they're going to send my ex-girlfriend a bunch of stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, wait. So the, the thing that caught my eye was social security number. I don't care yeah, about that. You know what I mean? Social security number is like, you, you can't, like, that's what they make. People make businesses protecting things like your social security number. Right, yeah. And that's the real thing that, that really freaked me out. Um, it's very hard to make a false identity off of just that. Mm-hmm. But if everyone else is, you know, if all the rest of the data is correct, then someone can do, they can't, they can't kind of falsify your identity. And that's, you know, that's not good. Now, all that being said, you you can get a, you know, 90-day fraud alert, uh, mm-hmm. credit referral. You could freeze all your accounts, uh, all that stuff. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm sure players have done that. Yeah. Um, and we get trying to provide support. Um, but, I mean, the Players' Council, you know, one of the heads of the Players' Council, Ryan Flanagan, defenseman, uh, was, like, released a very strong statement. Right, yeah. You can't do this to us. Like, <laughs> basically, like, how could you do this? Like, yeah. this is unprecedented. Um, and I think that the players are mad. And potential players that have nothing to do – I mean, I still have something to do with the league. I cover it. But people that, like, tried out on a whim when they were, like, like 10 years ago – yeah. Are like, what the hell is going on? And that's the most problematic part, right? Absolutely. So you're you're bringing in people that aren't even. I mean, yes, we should consider obviously the players. They have a higher profile. They're probably at higher risk. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure yeah. Paul Rabel higher risk than I. Am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying identity. Like you're welcome to my uh, journalism salary. You. you can have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did you want some student debt? I have some. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what's, what's, well, yeah. what's the league said about this? Has the league issued a statement yet? As far as I know, the league, so this is, you know, earlier, not earlier, but like around noon the day, day after this was released. Yeah. I don't see anything on their Twitter page. Mm-hmm. No, I don't see a anything on their, uh, the main site at all. Uh, it's it's almost like they they want to like wait and see or something like I don't mm-hmm. get it. I mean they, the the thing that that sucks is that the player movement, which is like the MLS version of you know twisted version of free agency, opened yesterday. Right. And they they tried to like publish you know publicize that, but the thing that's also sticking with a lot of people about this is that there's like a five day gap here. Right. Of like when people were when it when it allegedly when occurred, it went out yeah did occur. Yeah, when it went out, when something somebody could have done something, we don't know when it was shut down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been active all the way to Monday. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Until they release a statement that says that, you know, I think they're very much open to lawsuits, to be honest with you. Yeah, because, sure. And not because of just the Social Security thing, but because they, they failed to report for, like, five days, and they admit as much in the email. Mm-hmm. Like, you could be in serious – like, the league could be in serious trouble over this. This this is not a minor offense. This is not no. a misspelled press release. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a big deal. And, you know, and so the cross, like, I was like, guys, what do we do here? And they're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'm going to write this. Yeah. You know, like, we're going to add yeah. to it. Like, get a statement. You know, like, it kind of – you know, rocket shipped around, like, 7 o'clock into, like, a major, major story that's headlining our site right now. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's a huge deal. I 
I've I've actually had you know it's funny I'm I'm talking to you I actually mm-hmm. had a a Canadian player who never played in the MLL who is a Cana- you know a star in the NLL yeah you know direct message me on Twitter like what do I do I've got like huh. one bank account in America do I close <laughs> it I was like yeah probably like probably, yeah. like if you've only got one thing that you're maybe vulnerable to and and uh, it does it crosses like borders like yeah. maybe do that so like if I was to give advice to NLL people, players that might be involved in this, I would just be like, forget America, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like just, just stay, stay in Canada. Like you'll probably be better protected by your government than That's like crazy. any sort of thing that we're doing here. With, with no players association in the MLO, how how are the players banding together to, to combat this? And what what's the player stance that they're taking? Well, I, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to report something that isn't final, but I know for a fact that several players have contacted lawyers just for, if not for informational purposes, for the purpose of, you know, like figuring out what to do. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if if that's going to bring action against the league or anything. I I don't have any confirmation on that, so I'm not going to report that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But the possibility, absolutely, absolutely, I think that's a possibility, and that could you know, be a, a, a very strong blow to this league that's already kind of staggering, Yeah. you know, around the ring. So um, I don't know to the extent how it's going to affect anything, but it, I, can, I can tell you, talking to players, talking to people involved, it's major. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's as major an event as, happen, as has happened in Major League Lacrosse's history. Yeah. Um, how does this mark the end of David Gross's tenure as commissioner of the MLL? Uh, I mean, you got to look at, was he kind of involved? I get, technically, he's still in charge. You know yeah. what I mean? Is he even in the office now? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how to, to use this as something that paints it. Uh, I, I don't, I think we have to wait and see. I, mm-hmm. I'm not ready to say this, this, paints anything until we see what happens and you know we might be waiting for like a month to see how this plays out and hopefully it plays out well and everybody you know there are a couple reports of people like quote-unquote being hacked but i don't see anything official yet and until i see something official i'm not ready to you know declare a state of absolute emergency but yeah we're definitely in like a like a orange alert kind of yeah 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 Um, do they yeah. know who's going to replace Gross? Uh, so my sources have told me that they interviewed four people the week of the MLL semifinals, which yeah. at this point is now like three weeks ago. Um, so that's as much as I know. I know a couple other candidates have said no prior to that, yeah. like flat out no, uh, that were – they were qualified. You know, they yeah. had they had uh, backgrounds in professional sports. One was uh, had a background in baseball, uh, mm-hmm. for example, the MLB. So, you know, they're bringing in people. I don't know if they can pay those people enough, yeah. or if they give that person enough autonomy to make a difference with this hanging over everything right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I hate to be the one that's like, I don't know. But I know they did bring in people to interview. There, it is an ongoing process. I'm sure this makes everything much, much, much harder uh, going forward. Yeah. Um, so what do you got working on the pipeline? Uh, you were saying you're uh, speaking with the Beast Greg Grenlin? 
Yeah, I, uh, I just talked with him. Uh, we're doing a MLL retirement podcast special. Uh, I'm sure a bunch of guys uh, are going to add to that in the coming weeks. But right now, the, the most prominent players that we know about that aren't returning uh, for next summer are Greg Renlin and Chaz Woodson. Yeah. Luckily, I have a, a good relationship with both those guys, and I already taped with Greg. He, he's great. Um, if you're looking for a piece of advice, uh, just from the interview, I'll give you a little teaser. Yeah. You know, his best advice to players, you know, looking to get to the professional level is shut your mouth. Yeah. Which, which as a former coach, I, I, I giggled very hard. <laughs> that, is, yeah, uh, yeah. that is the best thing you can do. So, uh, yeah, that'll be on the Inside the Cross podcast feed uh, probably tomorrow or Thursday. There's Kyle Davitt. Um, check out his stuff on Inside the Cross. He is phenomenal. Make sure you check out his podcast, too. Those guys do uh, a ton of great work covering the field game down south. And um, this story isn't going away anytime soon for Major League Lacrosse. Uh, they still don't really have um, a formal announcement from the National Lacrosse League about what the heck happened and what they're going to do to try to rectify it. Um they had some sort of really awkward press release that doesn't really say anything. That um, basically just says the immediate step outside of long-term protection solution is that all social security numbers have been removed from spreadsheets and other documentation. They didn't even apologize for sending out the information. Boggles my mind how you can do that. Um, as we talked about with Kyle, you know, um, David Gross is on his way out. Uh, they got a few guys interviewed to come in, but I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see. So keep up with him on Twitter. Um, check out his podcast, and I'm sure you're going to want to um, stay tuned. The Kyle Devitt, D-E-V-I-T-T-E on Twitter. That'll about do it. Um, thanks to KD. Thanks to Alex Bouquet. And thanks to Patty Merrill. And, of course, as always, thanks to you guys for stopping by and joining me on this show. My name is Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Two more championships to go. The Founders and the Man Cup. Man Cup goes September 8th. We're still waiting. The MSL champion. It could very well be Six Nations Chiefs by the time this night is over. Until we speak again, take a friend to a game. Take a friend. Take two. The more friends you have, the more fun they'll have too. Until then, be excellent to each other. 